0: This is the year of G20 in India, and some of the big events have been happening lately. So, we had the G20 finance ministers gather in Bengaluru. Now, we have the G20 foreign ministers gathered in India. And you know what? Besides, behind all these ceremonials, all these decking up of our cities, flower pots coming up everywhere, behind all this lies hard diplomatic work, and that's where problems lie. We've seen two problems already. In fact, we have seen it's the same problem. We've seen it in Bangalore, And now it's coming up in Delhi as well, which is when you get these 20 countries together, whether it's their finance minister, their foreign ministers, tomorrow their heads of state or their chief executives, how do you get them to finalize a joint statement? How do you get them to agree on one set of formulations? The fact is these are sovereign nations and sovereign nations like individuals all have their own interests individuals can do group think. Indi- individuals can join a party a cult um, maybe a religious organization a religion read from a scripture but nations can't do this nations don't do it nations have very complex interests and nations act in their own self-interest you can't judge them for that that's why that's why I know that there is a lot of criticism that India as the chair this year was not able to get consensus on a joint statement at Bengaluru. And right now, there are, there are fears, suspicions, criticism, presumptions, whatever you want to call it, assumptions, whatever you want to call it, that once again, it will be difficult, maybe impossible or difficult, if not impossible, to get a joint statement out of these. 20 countries, foreign ministers. I'd say 19 because Japanese foreign minister has not come. His deputy has come. Whereby hangs another story, we'll come to that. Now, the reason this is not happening today, the big issue is Ukraine and the war and what do you call the war. But you know what? These are countries. These are countries with very complex interests, as I just told you. On some issues, they are together. On some issues, the same people who are together and are in conflict with each other and in some cases some people are in one grouping second grouping right but they are in conflict with the third grouping so these are 20 very diverse disparate countries and in fact looking at them and as as i look forward to the year of g20 in india i cannot i cannot help but remember remember something that we might have heard when we were teenagers so if you are my generation you would remember cat stevens the singer the chances are that even if you are much younger you would No Cat Stevens, morning is broken like the first morning, etc., etc., etc. He became Brother Yusuf Islam at one point, then came back. A colorful character. He sang in 1971 a song, Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. It's hard to get by just upon a smile. So this is a wild world. And how wild it is? you figure out by looking at G20 so let me just read the list of the countries in G20 for you this is argentina australia brazil canada china france germany india indonesia uh, italy south korea japan mexico russia saudi arabia south africa turkey uk us eu european union and then you have some guests and these guests are the un un is a guest everywhere, right? UN is like the priest that walks in everywhere and reads a couple of mantras of platitude, doesn't count for anything, but they do land up there. Then there is Spain, there is the ASEAN chair, whichever nation is chairing ASEAN for that year, and a representative of African Union, because otherwise, besides South Africa, there is no other representation in in G20. So you look at these 20 Countries And let me try and give you an idea of how diverse these are in terms of their own interests and how conflicting their interests are. So, let me divide them into separate groups. Basically, three major groups and then two chota groups. So, first of all, the group that I might call as my favorite expression, the Pidit Samaj the Qin Ped group or the countries who have grievances with China. This is a large group, group of nine countries, right? Nine countries, nine important countries. Again, Australia, Canada, India, Indonesia, South Korea, Japan, UK, US. I put EU there, but I put a question mark with EU because with EU you can, you never know which way they are sing, they are swinging because they sometimes play, play both sides. But generally, I would say on balance they will go with America and the Western world. So, so on balance, I will add them to this group. So this is nine nine entities: Australia, Canada, India, Indonesia, South Korea, Japan, UK, US, EU, Chinpid Samaj or countries or a group of countries with grievances with china then a second grouping and that's an interesting grouping also that is the Rus samaj or people people who are aggrieved with russia or who have complaints with russia they are in the same group they are going to be sitting in the same halls talking with one another in fact it will be the first time since the g20 in july last year at bali that blinken the u.s secretary of state and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov will be in the same room. So, organizations like G20 also, while being these big talk shops, which struggle to get a joint statement out, also serve a purpose. Because they bring these people together, That digression apart, I come back. Look at, look at the group of countries who I describe as period or countries which have a real problem with Russia. That group actually today, in this group of 20, is larger then the chin pitted group so chin or countries with grievances with china are 9 countries with grievances with russia are 11 11 right now you can understand why you can also figure out the usual suspects australia canada france germany italy south korea japan uk us eu and if you look at the list on the screen as i speak of the countries with grievances with russia you might have noticed that In my alphabetical count, I missed out one country. That was deliberate. I missed out Turkey. Turkey should have figured after Japan, between Japan and UK. I missed it out because once again, just as with EU and China, sometimes they swing this way or that way. Erdogan's Turkey can swing any which way. It actually is a big weather vane. But weather vane, not in terms of how winds are blowing in the rest of the world, in the way that Turkey itself thinks it can make the winds blow. So they will sell Barakta drones to Ukraine. At the same time, they have enough leverage with Russia that they can negotiate between Russia and Ukraine. Involve the UN to ensure that food grains that Russia and Ukraine both produce in surplus, on which a lot of the countries of the world depend, particularly for wheat and sunflower oil. Pakistan depends on this very heavily large population country most of africa depends on it so turkey also keeps that leverage so it has in fact even more leverage in some ways with russia than india does so once again that's the reason i missed out turkey in my alphabetical count but turkey does belong there because turkey is effectively a member of nato right and nato has its own logic on ukraine and russia so 11 countries, once again, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, South Korea, Japan, Turkey. Now, in sequence, UK, EU and US. These are the countries with issues with Russia. So, if you look at these two, two groups, one the group with problems with China, problems with Russia. This one is 9, this one is 11 see which ones are common. So, there you will find six plus one are common. I am not saying seven, I am saying six plus one because EU once again has that problem because now you see them on this side, now you see them on that, particularly vis-a-vis China in this case. They have no issue. They are unequivocal in their opposition to Russia. But China, they equivocate. That's the reason I am saying six plus one. Whereas two countries in the first group will not go with the second group. So, two countries among in the group that have issues with China will not go with the group which has complaints with Russia. And which are these two countries? That is India and Indonesia. So this gives you an idea of how difficult these groupings are. And similarly, if you see the second grouping, the Ruspidid grouping, you will then see countries like say, France, Germany, Italy, right? They will be very careful. France, Germany, Italy, they'll be very careful when it comes to China. So they will not make common cause, at least in the open, whatever the whisper behind closed doors is different. But they will never make common cause with anybody against China. So this is how this world is divided. So this world that G20 represents has, is deeply, deeply divided along Several several fault lines, but the two big fault lines today are provided by Russia and China. Now, as we go ahead, we find further complications. Let's create another subgroup or maybe a third group. Like I told you, I'll give you two main groups and a couple of subgroups. So let's look at a third group or a subgroup. Let's call it a subgroup. This is the group that is, I don't want to say, Westophobic but group which is skeptical about the West. It may be an ally of the West in many areas. It may have a lot of common interest with the Western nations, but they also have a lot of suspicions, skepticism, plus they want their own space. So I would say there, China, China is Westphobic at the same time. They want to keep America in good humor. They want Europeans to be happy with them, right? It's Chinese. Chinese are a global citizen. You may have complaints with them, but Chinese... Are the second most important global citizen now? They have a very globalized economy. They have huge vested interests in staying with the world. At the same time, they're deeply suspicious of the West because of the troubles they see arising between them and the Americans now. Americans have built Quad or helped build quad. Canadians, everybody, uh, Europeans, they've all joined in with Americans in their suspicion of China. So the Chinese, I would say clearly Westophobic. Then Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia in this grouping is a bit like Turkey in the other groupings. Saudi Arabians are allies of America. They depend on America for their security and much else. At the same time, they are suspicious of the West. And third is Turkey. Now that's again very odd because Turkey is always the odd man out, right? So Turkey, member of NATO, a predominantly Asian country which pretends to be European, but at the same time does not plonk itself unequivocally. the western camp so these are sort of westophobic in different degrees china saudi arabia turkey then you have the fourth grouping which is the friends of russia and now things get even more confusing and even more messy because this grouping is china and india who can't stand each other right china india south africa saudi arabia and turkey because these countries will not say anything hostile about russia so Again, degrees vary. So while none of these countries will say anything hostile or critical about Russia, some will be not as straightforward in backing Russia. The Chinese will be most straightforward and more unequivocal in backing Russia. India will be a couple of steps behind. India will not say anything rude about Russia. It will also not like other people saying rude things about Russia on Indian soil. And India will also struggle. As you saw, India and its chair summary in Bangalore Bengaluru struggle with uh, coming up with a final document on which everybody could agree because nobody could, nobody could decide on what to call Ukraine. What is happening in Ukraine? Do you call it a war uh, as the Western world call it? Do you call it a conflict as India calls it? China also mostly calls it a conflict, right? Or do you call it military operation a military intervention as the russians call it and as russians would expect their friends to call it so sometimes it does look like look like the chinese are inclined to go with that description as well so the issue with having a joint declaration is what to call what's happening in ukraine do you call it a war or not now in that situation in that situation friends of russia china india south africa saudi arabia and Turkey right all of these countries will not be happy with anything critical of China coming out here then you come with an even smaller grouping this is our fifth grouping again these are subgroupings the big groups are the first two that is the group that is united by their fear of China and the group that's united by their fear of Russia but these are subgroups so our next subgroup is friends of China that's a small subgroup Russia South Africa To a lesser extent, Russia, but still South Africa there and maybe Turkey. Again, see in how many groupings is Turkey featuring. And that tells you something about how that country positions itself diplomatically and strategically. You can say this is brilliant, brilliant diplomacy. You can also say it's too clever by half. But the fact is that Turkey pretty much features on every group except one as yet. And that one is the first one, which is the Sino-skeptic group. Friends of China, Russia, South Africa, maybe Turkey. Then Friends of India. I know I did not make a group like that, but I know that you will ask me. So if we made a group like Friends of India, who will be put there and who will be exclude from it? So 20 countries, India would say we are friends with everybody. The fact is that India will not even say publicly, particularly now with G20 is going on, that India is not friends with China. In fact, the fact is, that India does not say publicly that India is not friends with China or India has a hostile relationship with China. India walks a very tight rope in all this. And that is what is being criticized, including by Shashi Tharoor, who is a diplomat himself, that India is writing too tight, the tightest of these tight ropes, which which does not behove a country of India's size and stature, particularly in a year when India is the chair of G20. Now, this G20 foreign minister's meeting has one shadow over it, which is the absence of the Japanese foreign minister. So, Japanese foreign minister Yoshimasa Hayashi, he's not been able to come, so he's ostensible reason for not attending is that he has to attend a pa- Japanese parliamentary committee meeting on the budget. Japanese parliament, as you know, is called the diet. So that is the reason is deputy is coming. But you know, a lot of people think that his not coming is casting a shadow on this foreign minister's meeting. Because there is also a quad meeting happening on the side, a quad foreign minister's meeting. Now, will a quad foreign minister's meeting happen without Japanese foreign minister? Will a quad foreign minister's Meeting happen with the Japanese deputy minister. Will everybody accept this explanation that this is because the foreign minister is needed at the Diet budget meeting? Or is it something that India will take umbrage at, or the rest of G20 take take umbrage at? Is this a signal that this, that this G20 is not reaching anywhere? But I don't think so because earlier g20 is also last year since the war in ukraine 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 has been the big elephant in the room right nobody wants to look it in the eye this problem has this shadow has hung over g20 so in fact even at the last session in bali in november that was the last month the last session of indonesia's pres- presidency even that the russian for- foreign minister sergey lavrov had walked out and once again a joint statement was not issued so once again joint statements not coming up i don't think are such a problem particularly when you look at all these complexities and conflicting interests that these nations put together in one grouping but these powerful sovereign nations essentially bring their own respective national interests to the table or when they sit on the negotiating table and say nice words to each other and exchange platitudes, they are hard-boiled professionals, diplomats. They only keep their only countries' nation's interests close to their heart. And if you see all of that, that's the reason I gave you these groupings and explanations. If you look at all of that, you can understand that just because you put 20 countries in a grouping, they do not become a cult. And they do not do group thing. And to expect that is a very unrealistic expectation.